We're going to take a moment, since we didn't do it on Thursday with our third Thursday, to pray this morning. And um, we're going to continue in the Psalms. We've read Psalm 108 and Psalm 136 now, and we're going to pray through Psalm 23. We're going to pray through Psalm 23, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read each of the six verses and give you something to pray for as we go through each one. So the you probably have heard Psalm 23 a time or two in your life, but it says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. What I'd like to do is I'm going to pray through, or we're going to pray through. I'm just going to give you about 30 seconds of silence after each one and kind of give you an, a, a, a guide on what to pray, but you don't have to pray specifically what, what I ask you to do. But when it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. As we give thanks, aren't you thankful that we have a shepherd? In Matthew 9, Jesus says the people are lost and confused and helpless without a shepherd. We are not lost and confused and helpless because we have a shepherd. So I'm going to ask you to give thanks. Give thanks that we have a shepherd and then also that that shepherd is a great provider, that we have what we need. We're going to take about 30 seconds to pray for that and then we'll move on to the next verse. Verse 2 says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Rest. I'm going to tell you we're heading into a season that has no rest. There are burdens. There are schedules. There are people you're going to have to deal with. There are expectations you're going to have to live up to. But aren't you glad we have peace in Christ? Let's be thankful for that for the next 30 seconds. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Renewal is found in Him. Our strength is found in Him. We have guidance from His Word. Psalms also says that His Word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. But I love even this last part. It's for His name's sake. He's the one that gets the glory. Let's be thankful that he has given us that word that we can glorify him with our lives.
Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm not alone. We sang that in the song. Good, good Father. And you remind me that I am not alone. As we finished up the book of James, one of the main themes was that we have growth in the valleys, and I'm thankful for that. I'm not thankful for the valley itself, but I'm thankful that he is there with me. I fear no danger because he's there. I'm also thankful for the correction and the direction that his staff and his rod give us. Let's give thanks for that. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. He prepares a table. There's a feast in the midst of our enemies. Even we're going through those valleys, even we're going through those things, God is still providing, and he is generous. He's generous in his love. He's generous in his caring. He's generous in his blessings, and we're thankful for it. And it says, my cup overflows. I think sometimes when we enter into the Thanksgiving season, we forget all the blessings we have. I've said this plenty of times before. I don't like Black Friday because you go from a day of giving thanks to a day of I need all that garbage. (laughs) Let's give thanks and not, not worry so much about the garbage just yet. Let's pray. goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live Father thank you for your grace thank you for your goodness thankful for your faithful love I'm thankful that my future is secure and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live God we want to just give you all the praise and the glory this morning as we come to the table, as we hear from your word, I pray that you speak through Pastor Bruce and challenge us in a way because communion sometimes becomes such a ritual that we forget what it actually is all about. God, may you have the glory. I pray in your name. Amen. Good morning, Paragon Church. If you would open your copy of God's word to Matthew chapter 26. As we prepare to partake of the Lord's Supper, it is only right and fitting that we read of this from Jesus' own words. But before I do, it's important to know the context 
that the Lord's Supper is identified four times in the New Testament. You have it in Matthew, which we're about to read, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians. And then there's an allusion to it in the Gospel of John. But it's important for us to recognize that, especially in the culture that we live in, I had a discussion about this with um, a coworker who is an elder at his church. Um, and we were talking about how it's difficult when we talk about communion uh, in a culture that is predominantly Roman Catholic because they look at it and view it differently. They believe that it literally becomes the blood and body of Christ, whereas we believe it to be a symbolic gesture of what has already taken place. And their argument is based in Matthew 26, where Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. And so before we take communion, I wanted to bring some context to clarify why we can stand faithfully as Baptists as it being a symbolic gesture and not a literal one. So let's read Matthew 26, starting in verse 26. Now while they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. He said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day that I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let's take a moment and let's just pray. Father God, as we reflect upon your words this morning, I pray that you would give us insight into your kingdom. That you would give us insight into understanding what Jesus meant when he said these words. Give us humility to submit to the authority of Scripture and ears and eyes to hear and see. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, that may we, may we partake of this table together as a community of believers, that we will just be submitted to you. Because it is in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen. So to set the context, we have to understand that Jesus had just finished the Passover feast with his disciples. A Passover feast was established as a a symbol to remember the Exodus, to remember God moving on behalf of his people to free them from slavery. If I can just take a moment of your time, let's look at that. If you would turn to the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. This is what it says. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall keep this day through your generations as a perpetual statute. 
In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the morning and evening, of, of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of that month at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land, you shall not eat anything leavened in all your places of habitation. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Bring out and take for yourselves lambs according to your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and touch them touch some on the blood of the blood on uh, in the basin to the lintel and two draw, uh, two doorposts and none of you shall go outside the doorway of his house until morning and Yahweh will pass through to smite the Egyptians and he will see the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts and Yahweh will pass over the doorway and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And you shall keep this event as a statute for you and your children forever. And it will be, when you enter the land which Yahweh will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this new slavery. And it will be with you, when your children say to you, what is the meaning of this new slavery to you? That you shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to Yahweh who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians but delivered our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. There is a beautiful symbology that is taking place at the Lord's Supper with Jesus. They are remembering. They are remembering what Christ, or sorry, what God did by the power of the Holy Spirit to establish freedom for the Israelites from Egypt. And I'm not a huge symbolism guy, but in this instance, I think we need to really latch on to the symbolism that we find here. In celebrating the Passover, you have bread. In celebrating the Passover, you have wine. In celebrating the Passover, you have lamb. And each of those three symbols are drawn out by Christ himself. He broke the bread. He poured the wine. And he himself was the sacrificial lamb. And so understanding that Jesus is taking the symbology of the Old Testament and revealing it from a New Testament context. He is ascribing a symbology that is new to them through Him, through the work that must come, that His body would be broken and beaten, that His blood would be poured out, but that through him, the sacrificial lamb, salvation would come for all. That's the symbology that we recognize when we come to the table and we partake and remember. 
It is not that, theologically speaking, that the body and the blood literally turn into the body and blood, but that the, the wafer and the juice are symbols of what Christ has already done. In the same way that Christ used the symbology of the Old Testament to proclaim a new covenant, we anchor ourselves to that new covenant by surrendering and submitting to the authority of that covenant. But here's the piece I wanted to draw your attention to this morning. Because we're being thankful, are we not? Here's the piece that I really wanted to anchor to. If you remember nothing that I said, please remember this thing. That the gospel did not happen on accident. The death, burial, resurrection was not a happenstance per chance. It was not an afterthought in creation. It was not one of those things where God's like, well, the law didn't work, so we're going to go this other route. Before the law was given, the gospel was proclaimed. Before the law was established for the Israelites on Mount Sinai, the gospel was foreshadowed. As far back as in Genesis, we see the gospel proclamation. So let me quote W.A. Criswell when I say this. There is a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation that is the gospel in Scripture's. Let us anchor ourselves to that this morning that when we partake of the cup and we partake of the bread that we acknowledge that it was not by accident but by divine design. As we transition to our time of receiving the elements, I want to encourage you, we're going to have some worship time. I'm going to pray us into this. But I want you to take it at your own leisure pray reflect have a moment between you and your maker do it as a family but take it your own time we'll give you plenty of time to do this but as we transition i wanted to pray a prayer of a puritan i've been doing a lot of reading of the puritans lately if it uh if it scares you it should it scares me a little bit this prayer is entitled Assurance. I'm going to read this and I'm going, to, I'm going to close this in prayer and open the table so we can have time to get our kids if we need to. But here's what he says. Almighty God, I am loved with an everlasting love clothed in eternal righteousness. My peace flowing like a river, my comforts many and large, my joy and triumph unutterable, my soul lively with the knowledge of salvation and my sense of justification unclouded. I have scarce anything to pray for. Jesus smiles upon my soul as a ray of heaven and my supplications are swallowed up in praise. How sweet is the glorious doctrine that is based upon thy word. We rot inwardly within our soul. I bless thee that thou wilt keep me the sinner that thou hast loved. And hast engaged that he will not forsake me. Else I would never get 
to heaven. I wrong the work of grace in my heart if I deny my name, my new nature, and my eternal life. If Jesus were not my righteousness and redemption, I would sink into the nethermost hell. For my misdoings and shortcomings and unbelief and unlove. If Jesus were not by the power of his spirit, my sanctification, there is no sin I should not commit. Oh, when shall I have this mind? When shall I be conformed to his image? All the good things of life are less than nothing compared with your love. And with one glimpse of thy etching, electing favor, all the treasures of million worlds could not make me richer, happier, more contented, for his unsearchable riches are mine. Let us pray. Father God, as we come before you and we enter into a time of intimate worship around the Lord's Supper table, let us look to and reflect upon your gospel message. That it was authored by the Father, executed by the Son, and perpetuated by the Holy Spirit. Let us come with humble acknowledgement that we, in and of ourselves, are destined to eternal damnation. But by the grace of God, through the sacrificial work of the cross, through Christ's willingness to submit to the Father and die in our stead, that we can be restored to right relationship with you. Let us feel the weight of that burden upon our hearts as we enter a time where we reflect upon this and remember the beauty of the cross. It is in Jesus' beautiful name that we pray. Amen.